Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Sell your house, move to a new neighborhood. One of the steps that you would take is that you would find a post office somewhere. Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. We don't do that much anymore because it seems to me everybody's going electronic, but we would go and file that thing at the post office so that our us down and all of our junk mail would find its way into our mailbox, right? Because we wanted people to know where we are. Well, we've been reading out of Genesis for the last five weeks. This is the last week of this series. We've been reading about when uh, Adam makes a mistake. He falls to temptation. He falls to sin. And he literally tries to hide from God. He he, he goes out. I, I don't know why he thinks this would work. I guess because he's a guy. Uh, but uh, he thinks that I can go get some bushes and get in a bush and God won't be able to find me and so he's hiding in a bush apparently he hadn't figured out that you cannot hide from God anybody want to testify just real quick you can't get away from him he chases you down so God shows up in the garden and he asks a three-word question that forces Adam to come to grips with the understanding that God knows where I am I need to know where I am and he simply asks this in Genesis chapter 3 verse 9 he says Adam where are you We've been asking you that question over the last five weeks because we believe that it is necessary for us to come to grips, come to an understanding of where we are in our spiritual journey, in our spiritual walk with Christ. If you don't know, then you won't grow, right? So we want you to grow. So last week, here was, we gave you a test, an assessment. If you weren't here last week, I want to encourage you, before you leave, there's some at the back of the room. How many of you took the test? Raise your hands. Come on. All right. Most of you, not all of you. Some of you are resisting because it feels way too much like school. But if you would, I want you to take that test because we need to know where we are. If we don't know where we are, we will lie to ourselves and tell... Y'all don't talk to yourself. I'd say, self, I'm more mature than I really am. Anybody else? Just me. Okay. I need you to have a, a clear understanding of where you are because if not, you will, you will be where you're not supposed to be. So here's the four stages. We've identified four stages that you are in in your spiritual journey. We all fall in one of these stages. No one uh, gets a free pass from the beginning to the end. You have to work towards growth, right? So here in just a second, I'm going to give you a test, um, a different test. First service passed, A++. They knew it before I even asked the questions, and so they did great. We'll see how you, y'all did, did the best last week. I don't know about this week. We'll see. Here we go. So we said that everybody starts their journey as an infant. You must be born again. 
No one gets a pass. No one can go around that step because Jesus said you must be born again. So all of us must start out as an infant, as a baby, but we don't want you to stay as a baby. If, you're, if you've just met Jesus and you're in a new walk with him, we, we are so excited that you're here. We would have balloons and streamers and a baby shower if we could for you because we're thrilled that you are an infant in Christ. We just don't want you to stay there. We want you to continue to grow. The second stage is teenage years. Um, again, this is not about calendar. This is not about how old you are. This is not even really about how long you've been saved. It's whether or not you're walking in a journey and a path towards maturity. So we said that you become a teenager. Then last week we said we want you to graduate out of teenage years and become an adult because you would look funny in the same clothes as an adult that you wore when you were a teenager. It is necessary for you to grow, right? So let's see how y'all do. Let's see if you pass. Because one of the things we've said is there are not only characteristics of, in the natural in each stage, there are also skills in the natural that translate to our spiritual walk. So we've been talking about the skills necessary to move from one level to the next. And so here we go. Here's your test. We said that in order for you to be able to graduate, don't look at your card. Put your ketchup card down right now, you cheaters. Yeah, I see some of y'all have written the answers down on your arms already. I know how you are. All right, so, so here we go. If you want to graduate from being an infant spiritually, the skill necessary is you must. Okay, B plus, uh, B plus, you're going to get there. You must learn. You learn to walk. You learn to talk. You learn how I'm supposed to think, how I'm supposed to believe, right? So then you become a teenager. Once you become a teenager in the faith, the skill necessary to move out of teenage years spiritually is? Yeah, because a teenager thinks they know everything in the natural, right? I don't, you can't tell them nothing. And then all of a sudden, as they're growing up in their natural walk, translates to our spiritual walk we think we know everything and then all of a sudden we recognize we need to listen there are people around us that know more than we do light bulbs go on my dad mom were so dumb when I was 14 but by the time I got to 18 they were the most brilliant people on the planet right because I, I learned to listen yeah, then we said, we don't want you to stay as a teenager. We want you to become an adult. So to move into that realm, you must, oh, no, C plus, all right? You got to leverage. It is a combination of what we do is we take everything that we've learned, we combine it with everything we've listened to, and all of a sudden, we begin to live it out. We actually do what we've learned. We actually do what we listen to, and it produces fruit in our life. That's how we move to the next level. So now... Let me just say this, we are, we're in the last week of this, but we're also at what I believe is the most significant hurdle in the entire journey. Let me just tell you what normally happens. We're just having a family discussion this morning about what normally happens in, 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 in Christendom. In most of the churches, most of the bodies I've ever been a part of, this is what happens. I'm concerned it may be happening in some of your lives too, so I want to pinpoint it for us so that we can continue to move. Most of us, we, we begin to move through these stages until we get here. And when we get to the adult level, most of us never even realize there was an ultimate level. We think this is the pinnacle level because we're grown. 
And so we sit around this level and now we begin to do this. We hover there and we determine that we have reached the highest level of maturity as, a, as an adult and we never go any further. And so what we begin to watch is that we determine we're an adult because we take less and less trips back here. We don't act like babies anymore very often, every once in a while. We don't act like teenagers very often, every once in a while. But we, we, we've matured to the point that we, we're, we just hover here. And we never recognize that there's an additional step. In fact, I would submit to you that most of you that took the test, that cooperated and took the test, um, probably, not all of you, but most of you probably tested out in the adult arena. And if we're not careful, we will pat ourselves on the back and we will sit down and say, I've done all I need to do because I'm no longer acting like a child and I'm no longer acting like a teenager, so I'm just going to rest right here. When the fact is, is that the, 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 the most needed stage currently in the body of Christ are people that recognize that there is an additional step and an additional level of maturity that we must move to. Are y'all here? I'm going to push you this morning because some of you are satisfied that you, you, you're like, man, I don't want to take this test. I'm afraid I'll test out as an infant. I don't want to be an infant. And you, lo and behold, you tested out as an adult. And if you're not careful, you'll go, whew. I'm, I'm there. No, I'm pushing you this morning. There is a, a level that we need to get to. I think the reason that we don't see very many people graduate to this level is because in most instance, instances, we don't see this modeled for us very often. And so I want us to get there. So quickly, I want us to do what we've been doing. I want to share some of the characteristics of parents in the natural. And then I want you to recognize that they parallel what has to take place in the spiritual. And then we're going to talk about the skill. But before I go there, I just need to tell you, a baby changes everything. Any parents in the room want to testify? I'll give you the mic for just a, no, I won't. Uh, just a second say, man, everything was going along hunky-dory. Then we had baby. Then it changed everything, Right? That's what happens in the spiritual realm too. And that's what I want us to have happen in this body. So here you are, natural characteristics. See if they don't parallel. Number one, parents don't focus on their own needs. Yeah. <laughs> they, 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 they begin to look out for needs. Can I just tell you what happens when you become a, a parent spiritually? You don't even come to church to get what you used to come to church to get. Like I used to come to church when I was a teenager. It was like, man, I need my praise break. I, I, I'm fighting some stuff here, and I need to get in touch with Jesus, and I need all the feels, and I need the, I need the, I need the emotions. I, I need to have some altar time. Come on, Jesus, let's have church, right? But when you become a parent, all of a sudden, I show up at church, and I'm really not here to get anything from me because I've been getting mine all week. I'm here to make sure you get what you need. That's a different kind of church. Come on, somebody. That's a different level of spiritual maturity where now I want to make sure that if you walk in discouraged, if you walk in broken, if you walk in downcast, if you walk in addicted, if you walk in all messed up, I, I'm not here to get into the altar and get me some feel-good goosebumps so I can live the rest of the week. I'm here to make sure that you get in contact with Jesus and I will charge hell with a water pistol to get you there, right? Yeah, that's what spiritual parents do. The second thing they do is they no longer focus on their personal achievements. As a parent, I, before I had parents, I wanted to achieve. 
Yeah, some of y'all don't know. I got about three people. No, I got one, two, three, four. I got, I got about three, four people in the room that knew me when I was like younger, much younger. And they will, you can ask them when we get finished here if I'm telling them the truth. But as a, as a young man, I was a little bit competitive. Like a lot competitive. Like if you beat me in ping pong, you might as well change your entire day schedule. We're staying at the ping pong table until I beat you. I will do everything necessary to beat you because I wanted to achieve. And then something happened. We had babies. And all of a sudden, I didn't care about me scoring 20 points in the game anymore. I didn't even care if I got in the game anymore. What became important and I was obsessed with it was my boys getting on the floor, being successful, achieving what they could achieve. Right? That's what parents do. Oh, y'all don't know. Okay, so, 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 so that's why I had to start working the scorer's table because if I was sitting up in the stands, I was so obsessed with my boys achieving rather than me achieving that I would get myself thrown out of a game. If I'm at the table working the table, I can't say anything, but if I'm in the stands at away games, I'm like, that's our secret signal. Ty was supposed to look at me so he'd know he was supposed to shoot the ball because <laughs> you're the best shooter on the floor. Shoot the ball because I wanted him to achieve, right? That's what parents do. Number three, they're willing to challenge and correct. Listen to me very carefully. This is why we need spiritual parents in our body is because we, we come to this place where we're no longer as concerned or we don't care as much about your gift as we do your character. Because what I recognize now as a parent is it's not my child's giftedness that will sustain them the rest of their life. It's my child's character that will sustain them because the day will come when there will be somebody that comes along that's more gifted than them but as if I can establish character in their life it will sustain them for the journey and it will continue to make room for them. I'm okay. So, so, so we, we got to have people in the body that will challenge and correct. They, number four, they live differently so that they, leave, they have something to leave to those coming behind. In other words, we are literally, as parents, we're trying to set the stage for someone else's success. Right? I'm not worried about whether I got the fanciest or the nicest anymore. I'm worried about do I have anything to leave behind to those coming after me. That becomes essential. I didn't give a rip about life insurance when I was 20. Now, I'm, I'm like, how can I get more? Because I'm worried about the people behind me. Okay, number five, they're willing to share wisdom. Parents, whether you want it or not, will share wisdom. They know that you need wisdom to make it through this life. You're going to have to have some wisdom. And so they are willing to share what they've learned. Okay, number six, they invest in someone else's dream. That's why we pay for your college. That's why parents pay for kids' college. That's why parents help their kids get their first house because I'm trying to help you get your dream. Some of y'all looking at me funny. All right, here's the, here's the last one and the, maybe the most important one. They step aside so others can step up. That does not mean that they can't do it. They don't step aside because they can't do what they've always done. 
they step aside to make room. Where did this make room theme come from? They make room for others so that they can step up. I'm going to give you two illustrations, one from my past, one from my present. The first one happened when I was just a young whippersnapper with a mullet down to the middle of my back. As a youth pastor in Greenville, North Carolina, I walk into this established church. There's a, um, a, a pastor there that hired me. I don't know, he was crazy. Uh, his name was Frank Gentry. He had been the pastor at this church for 16 years when he hired me. I walk in with my mullet and all my, my stuff, and he would preach every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, and every Wednesday. He was a machine, three times a week. He had great wisdom. He wasn't real fiery. He's kind of a teacher. He'd been there 16 years. I mean, I've, we've been here this 15th year. I've told y'all everything I know. He had told him everything he'd known in 16 years, so he would just present great content. He was diligent in his study, but he was kind of mellow. I kind of wasn't. <laughs> Y'all think this passion thing started here it was a long time ago. I, I was fiery and loud and demonstrative. And so one Sunday, I'll never forget this, I preached my guts out. I'm sweating, spitting, the whole work, running my suit. We had to wear suits. Thank you, Jesus, for deliverance. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I've sweated my suit down to, to wetness. And I, I, I'm in the lobby because we always went to the lobby after the service to shake the hands of the people as they left, you know. I don't know why anybody wants to shake my sweaty hand, but they did. And so I'm standing there, and this little lady, she's an older lady, one of our senior adults, walks up to me. She stands between me and Brother Gentry, and she looks at me. She was a fan of mine, and she's like, man, Steve, you're awesome. You bring it with such passion and such power, and it's deep. I love it, Steve. It's so good. And then she made the mistake of turning to Brother Gentry and saying, you should preach like him. I'll never forget it. I'm sitting there going, oh, Lord. And with grace and mercy, but with firmness, he looks at her and he said, I want to tell you the truth. I bring the word every week. And I'm sitting there going, yes. yes. He said, I don't bring it in the same style Steve brings it, but I'm bringing the word, bringing the word. All of that to say this, in a normal church, can I tell you what would have happened next? Mullet man would have never got the microphone again. Because that pastor if he had not been a spiritual parent, would have been intimidated by the young whippersnapper that was coming along that was getting some attention. And he would have said, you know what? You've preached the once and only time you're ever going to preach in this main pulpit. You go hang out there with the young people the rest of your life. I'm not making room for you. But, by, but because he was a spiritual parent, he looked at her, he corrected her, but then he looked at me and said, next month you're going to be right back in the pulpit again. He stepped aside so that I would step up. That doesn't happen everywhere. It happens here. It needs to happen some more. So, perfect example of this just here. She's going to get mad at me. I'm going to be grounded. Y'all pray for me. We're going to have to have the marriage conference. I'm going to be on the couch because she's going to be embarrassed. But, but let me just ask you some questions about our body. Who is the most experienced worship leader in our entire body? Who has the most technical skill? Who has the most training? Who has... How often do you see her on this platform leading worship? About once every six, seven, eight weeks? You think she's lost her voice? You think she can't lead worship? I'm biased. I get it. I, I sleep with my worship leader. So I, I you know, I, I think... I think she's the best thing since sliced bread. She's my favorite worship leader. But she's matured enough now to recognize that she needs to step aside. I'm in so in trouble. That, that, that I, she needs to step aside so others can step up. Okay, let's talk about your pastor. 
The truth is that I'm not even the best preacher in this body. There's somebody in here that's way better preacher than I am. I will know, I will, I can't, mm -mm. I'm not even half as good. I'm not half as long-winded either, but I'm not as half as good. (laughs) As who? My dad. Truth be told, if we were going just on ability, he should have this microphone. It's not that he can't preach, because he can still bring it. It's the fact that he recognized 15 years ago that we had a call in our life, and he says, you know what, I'll step aside so you can step up, and I will become your greatest cheerleader. That is spiritual parenting. We need that desperately in the body. We've got to have that. Those are the natural characteristics, but they also need to be applied in the spiritual. And so I started thinking, well, maybe the word is just silent on this, so we don't know how to do this. Wrong. If you open up your Bible and really read your Bible, what you recognize, if you're reading carefully, is that the idea of spiritual parenting is so, so spread out across the canopy of Scripture that you have to intentionally try not to see it. Let me just give you some examples. Moses and Jethro. Come on, Bible scholars in the room. Moses was leading millions of people across the desert, and he was losing his ever-loving mind because they were driving him crazy with all their problems. And his father-in-law, who was probably had at least had more wisdom than Moses and may have been a better leader than Moses, stepped in and said, listen here, buddy, you're doing this wrong. What's he doing? He's spiritually parenting his son-in-law. Elijah and Elisha. How did Elijah, how did Elisha know how to do prophetic ministry? Elijah parented him. In the New Testament, we see it, and we're going to come back to him because he is our ultimate example, Jesus with his disciples. If that's not enough, Paul with Timothy. Paul with Titus. Everywhere you turn, we, we're seeing this idea that when you graduate in your mature walk, you're going to reach this point, and you're not just going to sit around and be an adult spiritually the rest of your life. You're going to graduate and move into parenting other people spiritually. Paul got it. He said it like this. We've been reading a lot of what Paul says, so we might as well go right back to it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, I want you to listen very carefully what Paul says. He lays it out for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. Listen carefully to what he says. He says, for though you may have 10,000 teachers in Christ, you do not have many fathers. Through the good news, I became your father in Christ Jesus. So, here it is. So, I beg you, please... Follow my example. Paul is literally saying, look, you got all these voices in your life, 10,000 teachers. All you got to do is open up your iPhone right now and you can find 10,000 voices trying to get entrance into your life, trying to teach you, trying to share wisdom with you. You've got 10,000 teachers, but Paul says, you know what? I took one step further. I didn't just stay as your teacher. I have graduated into being your spiritual father. And now what I want you to do is follow my example. So Paul modeled this step of spiritual maturity for us. He said, you've got a lot of teachers. The word there for teacher literally means one who passes along information. Our issue today is not lack of information. We are educated beyond our level of obedience. I'm not saying you don't need teachers. I'm just saying there is a plethora. There's a plethora of new teachers. Man, that's a great word. Of new teachers. There are so many teachers out there. You can get all the information you need. What we don't have is 
fathers in the faith and mothers in the faith because the word he uses here for father means this, one who infuses his own spirit into another. Passing DNA along. Modeling for us. So that is what parenting looks like. But I want to make sure we've got this correct. Because I, I can see the wheels turning. Some of you in your, in your own minds right now are going, I'm not old enough. I'm not married. Has nothing to do with any of that. We're talking on a spiritual level, not a natural level. Right, so, 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 so the, word, the verb parent doesn't mean to, to produce a child because an adult can produce a child. The verb parent means this, to raise, care for, take care of a child. So when you graduate to this level, what we're actually doing, and we got to graduate to this level, y'all, I am not satisfied with a bunch of adults running around here any more than I'm satisfied with having a bunch of infants running around here. We need, we need adults to graduate to parenting. Because when we get to the parent level, let me help you here, we finally live up to the example, the ultimate example of Jesus. I just want to remind you what's going on. Jesus has been crucified. He's been resurrected. And he's talking to his spiritual children. And he looks at them in John chapter 20, verses 21 and 22. Listen to what he says. He says, I've taught you now. I'm empowering you. Now go do what I've done. He's literally practicing spiritual parenting right before our eyes in Scripture. He's saying, listen, I've walked with you. I've taught you. Learn. You've heard me. You, now you're leveraging this. I've sent you out two by two, and you've leveraged what you learned and what you listened to. Now what I want you to do is I want you to do what I did. See, we learn stuff from our parents, but I want you to understand, we, we, we learn stuff from our parents, but really what we learn from our parents is how to be somebody. We learn to be. So we need spiritual parents. James Smart says in the rebirth of ministry, he says this, Jesus was not satisfied in having a succession of audiences to which he might proclaim his gospel. He was interested primarily in having disciples in whom and through whom his ministry would be multiplied many times over. If Jesus had not practiced spiritual parenting, let me just help you this morning, you would not be sitting here today. Carl George makes this statement. He says, the Jesus model for changing the world was this. Recruit 12, graduate 11. There are way too many orphans running around who have been saved, who have not been raised. And the reason is, is we have relegated raising believers to one guy on a Sunday with a microphone to raise all the spiritual infants to become teenagers and teenagers to become adults and adults to become parents. We expect some preacher somewhere to be able to preach good enough, hard enough, short enough, to cause maturity to take place. 
And the result is orphans running around who've been saved, who've never been raised. I want you to hear me clearly this morning. You may not give birth to them, but that does not mean you can't raise them. You may not give birth to them. They may come into infancy because Pastor Andrew or one of our other pastors on staff stands up here, gives an invitation, and they submit their life to Jesus for the first time. You didn't give birth to them, but we need you to come alongside them and raise them. So they walk through this. My question to you is simple today. Who are you raising? Who are you caring for? Who are you taking care of in the faith? I have a question. What if every spiritual adult, I'm convinced that probably 80% of our congregation tested out in the adult arena. What if every spiritual adult in our body recruited 12 and graduated 11? Think, just stop for one moment and think about the implications of that, not only for our body, but for our community. Think about the implications of that, that it would have in the world around us. If everybody under the sound of my voice that considers themselves an adult Christian that has matured to that level would suddenly branch out and become a parent spiritually and they would recruit 12 people and graduate 11 and they would raise them and care for them and model for them. What implications would that have for our world? Well, let me tell you the implications it had for Jesus' world. 12 turned into 120. 120 turned into thousands. And now, all these thousands of years later, not only did it impact their world, it continues to impact our world to this day. Simply because people matured to look behind them. If you're an adult, spiritual adult in this room, please, I'm begging you, don't set on your maturity. There's a role for you to play. Don't think I've arrived. I've, I've gone to all the classes I need to go to. I've read all the Bible I need to read. I've prayed all I need to pray. I used to serve in so many roles. Now I just want to take a break. Hogwash. Get off of your maturity and graduate to parenthood and look around you, look beside you, recruit somebody and show them how to live. Okay, so we've talked about skills. There's a skill necessary to move out of being an adult to becoming a parent, and that is simply this. Parents must begin to think legacy. As an infant, we learn. As a teenager, we listen. As an adult, we leverage. But when we get to this level of parenting, we've got to start thinking legacy. David Green, the, you know him, the owner of Hobby Lobby, made this statement. I think he's right. He said, legacy is not just what we leave behind, but what we send ahead. If we could get you to parent people around you that you are in intimate relationship with. We talked about that. That is the sign that you're no longer a teenager. You, you choose intimacy over isolation. If you would choose to become intimate with one another and learn each other. And now you parent one another. It would, it would send forward. I got news for you. I don't want passion to die when Steve dies. I don't want passion to die when you die. I, I was just working with a church that was going through a pastoral change. I got word that one of the deacons, one of the guys that is called to select the next pastor made this statement. He said, I just want somebody that will pastor this church long enough 
that the church still exists until they can do my funeral. After that, I don't care. That is not spiritual parenting. Spiritual parenting says, you know what? We've got too much blood, sweat, and tears in this place, and I want this to be a, a, a station, a, a place where people will come for decades to come to experience the presence of God that I'm experiencing now. And I will, I will step aside and let others step up so that it will happen. So I want to, I'm going to pray for us, but I, 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 want, I, want, I want to make a statement. I want to make sure that we're clear here. I want you to understand that there is a major difference between being an orphan and having an orphan heart. We're going to talk more about that after Easter. But there's a major difference between being an orphan, which means you have no one to raise you, and having an orphan heart, which means you won't let anybody raise you. I'm preaching right now. A lot of us are walking around here as orphans not because we don't have anybody to raise us. We simply won't let anybody into our life close enough to raise us. Preaching right now. Some of you are so isolated in your own spiritual journey that when God raises up voices and people in your life to help you along the journey, you shut them out, shut them off, and you run. And then you want to complain to God, I ain't got nobody. There's a big difference between being an orphan and having an orphan heart. I'm asking you to get rid of your orphan heart and recognize that in this particular body right now, there are people that God has assigned to your life that are on a mission if you will let them, if you will let them in, if you will get over your, your fear, get over your, let your excuses go, let your walls down, take off your mask, get into a circle, get into a tight environment, get into a, a, an environment where people get to know you. They can help raise you. So you say, well, Steve, what's your goal? Why, why, why five weeks? Why are we spending five weeks on this? Why, why, why didn't we just do like a couple weeks to start the year off? Because we all think about new stuff at the first of the year, and then we just go on. Why five weeks? Why are you always harping on the fact that we need to come together and worship? Why would it be essential for us to talk about circles and, 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 and getting intimate with one another? Why? Well, we have a goal around here. Can I just end this whole series with telling you the goal? Paul says it to the church in Ephesus. It's our goal. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12 through 15, listen to what he says. This work will continue until we come to such unity. Stop. I wish I hadn't put the whole thing on the screen. Blank it all out. We came to it. Unity. Until unity. Intimacy. You can't have unity unless there's intimacy. He says, he says, this work will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. Don't get it twisted. Here's our standard. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. 
then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about every wind of new teaching. I got news for you. One of the things that's going to happen in the last days, go read it in Revelation, is there's going to be a lot of new teachings coming through. They're going to be blowing in from every direction. And you've got to mature enough to know what's right and what's wrong. You've got to mature enough to know what's God's word and what's some man's word. You've got to be mature enough to be able to say, God's word is the standard. And if it deviates from that, I will not listen. I will not be swayed. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. Like you can be anything you want to be. No, you can't. Adam and Eve. I identify as T.D. Jakes today. But I don't sound like him. And I ain't him. Come on. Why? Why would we, why would we believe lies just because they tell them so good? Like, you don't have to go. Instead, we will speak the truth in love. Growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head. I'm going to change scripture. I'm going to add a T. Who is the head of this body. This church. That is the why. That's the standard. So that when we move out of 2023 and it's 2024, we look more like Jesus than Jesus looks like us. The challenge is that doesn't just happen. You have to take intentional steps to grow. Otherwise, you expect me to do it for you. See, I, 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 well, I wasn't going to say this in the second service, but I'm going to say it right now. I'm convinced that the only addicted folks in the room aren't those at the Hope Center. We're all addicted. We're all fighting addiction. Here's our addiction. I need church on Sunday morning. I need some pastor to regurgitate for me what he's been studying all week. Otherwise, I can't make it. And I hope I can get enough Jesus to last me the next Sunday. In fact, pastor, what would really help me is if you could come up with a Wednesday night. Because if I could get me a Wednesday night, then I'll be able to hang on. You're addicted to being nurse fed. Ooh, I'm, ooh that was mean. Mean pastor. I'm asking you to break that addiction. And let's do this instead. As mature parents, I go and I feed myself so that in turn, when I, the rest of my week, I got all these infants and teenagers and adults running around me going, what do I do? How do I live? I don't know how to pray. How should I read my Bible? I don't know what fasting means. Tithing? What's tithing? I'm, I'm supposed to get married before I live together? I... And all of a sudden, 
out of the fact that I've been eating for myself all week, I turn around and I go, Bible says, let me see your checkbook. Quit spending your money. Quit living. And all of a sudden, we're raised to the standard of Christ. I don't want you to stick at adult. I need some spiritual parents to show up in this place. And let's raise the infants, the teenagers, and the adults that God is sending us by the boatloads, by the, by the way. So that we recruit 12, graduate 11, and change the entire world. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'd help us. This is different. This is a different kind of church. This doesn't happen everywhere. I'm asking you in this season that we're in right now that you would raise us up. God, if there are infants in this room, I pray that they would learn everything they need to learn. God, if there are teenagers in this room, spiritually speaking, I pray that they would tune their ears to the voices that have wisdom and discernment and they would, they would listen to everything. God, those of us that are adults in the room, spiritually speaking, I pray that we would begin to leverage. We would take everything that we've learned, everything that we've been listening to, and we would implement it in our lives. We would actually live this thing. And God, I'm asking you to bring us some parents into this body. Let those that have been adults for a long time, I pray that now they would begin to think legacy and they would change their direction and their thinking and they would begin to look around them for 12 that they can raise and that they can care for and that they can pour into so that we can change our world. Not so that we can have good church, but so that we can change our world. God, I ask you to do this by your power and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. In your seat this morning, there was a sheet of paper that lists all the circles that we do. You say, well, I don't need to be in a circle. I'm mature. Hogwash. You need one another. Intimacy. You don't learn in rows best. You learn in circles best. It's as we do life together that we do better. And I'm encouraging you, if you're not part of a circle, you need to be a part. And if, you're, if you don't see one you like, start one. We'll help you. We're just going to help one another mature in our walk with Christ. Come on, Pastor Andrew. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.